Okay, we're coming to the end um, of our Advent mini-series. Um, kind of Mark kicked it off a couple of weeks ago uh, with the visitation, um, which was the first half of Zachariah's story. Nod. Phew. That's a help. So you kind of know what went before our reading. That's great. I will refer to it, but it's good that you know it. Um, and then we had, the, um, and then we had um, Mary visiting um, Elizabeth um, last week, and Richard spoke on that. Um, and now uh, we come to the birth of John the Baptist, and it kind of, you know, and we and we kind of draw this little series to a close. Um, so we continue with Elizabeth and Zachariah, the birth of John. Um, it, as I said, it's very much part two. It began with the angel Gabriel appearing while he's while Zachariah was serving in the as a priest in the temple, and now we see the birth of the child. Um, that the angel um, has announced to Zachariah. Um, and and it, I don't know about you, um, it felt like quite a nice little kind of way to kind of reflect differently during Advent. Um, you know, Advent is all about getting ready. And actually, all of this is part of the Christmas story, isn't it? Come, so, sometimes we kind of gloss over that because we can't fit it all into the carol service or the Christmas Day story. So we kind of miss out on some of these bits. But it's just kind of nice to just be joining through these events because they do lead towards Christmas. So they're, they're kind of help, they're great for us during Advent. And as we know, Advent uh, is all about the coming or the arrival of Jesus. You know, that Latin word, eventos. Um, and we look towards celebrating Jesus' birth. So we're looking back to what God's already done. We look forward to Jesus' return. We anticipate that. We think, uh, as Julian said this morning, of how we might live in the light of that and be ready for Jesus' return. And it's interesting that this reading picks up on being ready um, in another way entirely. Um, in fact, one of the traditional Advent themes that kind of you would normally have in the Church of England is all focused on the idea of John the Baptist being the forerunner. But normally you kind of have readings about John the Baptist's life and his ministry, not about his, 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 not about his birth. But even at his birth, you get this little hint, or more than a hint, kind of Zechariah prophesies quite profoundly about what John's role um, is going to be. You, my child, will be a called a prophet of the Most High because you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him. So kind of, you know, this is really another, sent, another kind of reflection on Advent, isn't it? Um, John the Baptist preparing people, not for Jesus' birth, not for Jesus' return, but preparing people for Jesus' ministry. Uh, and the passage ends kind of hinting at what's going to come. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. And we know that when he appeared publicly, it was still in the wilderness. Um, and people came out to listen to him. And his message was this message of repentance, of calling people back to God, getting them ready for Jesus' coming. Um, and so kind of this, you know, even John the Baptist is all about getting ready. It kind of fits with that Advent kind of theme. Um, and, 
and, and as you said before, and if you were here on Sunday morning, you would have heard some last week, you'd have heard of some of this before. Um, part of Advent is about waiting, patiently waiting for what God is going to do. And as I said, kind of two weeks ago in the morning, um, it's not something that we as a society are good at. It's not something that I am good at personally. Um, kind of the, uh, it, it seems to me that kind of Amazon has undone kind of any need to wait in society. Um, Carol gets very cross with me because when I want something, rather than adding it to the, my wish list so she can buy it for me for Christmas or my birthday, I just basically hit the buy it now button because I want it. Oh, right. OK, I'm not I am not alone in that. It may be a male thing more than a female thing. Perhaps. Perhaps. No, it's a female thing as well. OK. <laughs> I mean, we just live in this instant world where it, we just press the button and it comes. We're not used to waiting. Um, it's true, I think, of this season. You know, we don't really want to wait for Christmas. So we start celebrating Christmas almost the moment that Halloween is done. The idea of having a season to stop and to wait um, and to look within um, and to reflect is kind of foreign to the way we live in society at this time. Um, however, there are some things that modern technology you know, can't stop us from having to wait for. Um, it, uh, it was an absolute privilege this morning to welcome Jude Palmer to St. Matthew's Church. What's the middle name? I keep forgetting. McLaughlin. It's a bit of a mouthful, that middle name, isn't it? His mum's maiden name. I'm sure there is significance, yeah. <laughs> he is the most gorgeous baby, though. He's absolutely lovely. I'm sure his grandmother would agree. He is lovely, isn't he? Yeah. Did you really? That's all right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no. I, I just love it when it's church family and, and, and people are in church for the first time with their new baby. I'll have to say, I think Sarah and Alex have been sensible, not rushing in straight away. And I know that, you know, he was a bit poor, but it's, you know, sometimes they come too soon, actually. But actually... It's so lovely when they come, kind of, we've been waiting and we want to see them. Um, but the one thing about birth is it isn't instant. You have to wait nine months for a baby to arrive. And kind of all these readings we've had um, over the last couple of weeks, they centre around pregnancy and birth. Um, and normally we would be focusing more um, on the younger mother on Mary, um, and on the birth of Jesus. Uh, this young girl who has the courage to be obedient to God, despite all of the potential cost, and Richard spoke much more about that last week. Um, Zachariah and Elizabeth um, couldn't be more different. They're the respectable married couple. But they're a mature married couple. Um, and as you would have heard when Mark spoke, that well past child-rearing years, Elizabeth is considered to be barren. 
It's a horrible word, isn't it? It's a really, oh, yeah, it's a horrible word. Um, To the point that they have no expectation, they have no more expectation of this birth than Mary does of having a child. Um, So Elizabeth and Zachariah's waiting actually isn't just nine months. Uh, It's been going on for years and it's long past the time of hope. Um, You know, uh, when I think back to when Carol and I had our kids, um, we had a couple of years when we were trying and nothing seemed to happen. Um, And and we were incredibly lucky that it just took a few tests and and a minor procedure and it kind of sorted everything. But actually just a couple of years of trying and it not happening felt excruciatingly painful. Um, I think more painful for Carol than I, but as a husband, kind of watching her disappointment every month was actually really, really hard. So it's hard to imagine what it feels like when months become years and potentially years become decades and the hope completely goes um it and just to kind of reflect on it in a wider context uh, although barrenness is a is a is a raw uncomfortable word it often describes more than just the sense of loss that someone has at not being able to have a child Sometimes there are other areas in our lives where we face disappointment um, to the point that it feels like our lives have become like a desert. We've, you know, we've hoped for something and it's not happened. And we've waited and it's not happened. And we may have prayed and it's not happened. We may have even had promises or prophetic words from people and it's not happened. Um, and kind of that sense of longing that, that, that we are left with and that sense of, yes, barrenness that goes with it is a really painful place um, to be. Um, trying to make sense of what we feel God has said and what hasn't happened. Um, so kind of what they experience, I think, also speaks potentially into our lives all the lives of those we love too. Um, kind of the waiting of this kind isn't the superficial thing of wanting to buy the next bit of camera kit, which is normally my particular issue, um, and being frustrated that it's not coming the next day. It's a much more deeper and profound thing than that. Um, now what these... I, I just find, that, I find these two births fascinating because what they have in common is God's activity. But they are different. They're both announced by angels. Um, it's the same angel, Gabriel, that comes and announces both of these births. Um, and um, it may be a reflection on Mary's age, but it seems to me that she put Zachariah um, to shame. Gabriel appears to Mary, and it, you know, what is asked of her is a much more costly thing. Um, But she responds by saying, uh, may it be to me as you have said. 
she is immediately obedient and agrees to what God asked for her without any questioning at all. And then we have this kind of, this priest, this man of God, this mature believer, um, Zachariah, um, serving in the temple, you know, in the place of worship where you should expect God to speak, surely. Um, and the angel appears to him. And in contrast, um, his response is, how can I be sure this is going to happen? Excuse me, there's a stonking gate angel standing in the middle of the sanctuary and you're asking how can I be sure this could this is going to happen give you know, it might be a clue you know um perhaps you know and and actually it's interesting these you know Gabriel says I stand in the presence of God uh, I, I mean it's like he comes with the weight of God's authority and Zachariah still struggles with it uh, he reminds me, I think, a little of um, of kind of Abraham and Sarah. You know, Sarah, when kind of God speaks to Sarah and says, um, kind of, you're going to have a child. And she goes, you must be joking. Well, she says it to Abraham and she's, and she's earwigging. And she sits giggling away thinking, you must be, I'm too old. Can't happen. You know, and of course it does happen. Um, there's something in this, I think, for those of us that are older. Perhaps... And this is topical. Um, we need to learn from those that are younger. Um, it hadn't occurred to me. I'm, I'm kind of in my head. I've got this talk running around. I've also kind of got running around in my head um, what I'm going to say at the carol service um, next week. Anyone want a spoiler? <laughs> okay, spoiler for next week's talk. I took some pictures up in London in Carnaby Street. Um, the kind of Carnaby Street Christmas lights. And they are all about saving the planet. It's all ocean kind of scenes. And I was just kind of interested about kind of the theme of Christmas of saving the planet. And actually, actually that, when you think about the original Christmas story, actually, for God so loved the world, not just humanity, the world, actually it's about the restoration of creation. Jesus coming, isn't it? And it was only as I, we were worshipping this evening that the penny dropped. Aren't there some interesting parallels between Greta Thunberg and Mary? I mean, that young lady is incredibly brave. She has really put herself out there. And a lot of so-called grown-ups or possibly grumpy old men have been incredibly bitter and twisted and derogatory of this young girl that's had the bravery to stand up and speak out on this issue. And, and actually, probably a similar age to Mary. And so I just feel like, I'm not quite sure how it fits together, but it, it just feels like there's some interesting parallels. So that, that's next week. You've got to wait for the rest of that till then. Um, I was, it's funny, um, before I move on and get back into the talk, I was speaking on leadership to the New Wine Discipleship Year students that are kind of in this area on Wednesday morning. And I began by asking them, who are your great leaders? Um, you know, who do you think of as a great, and it was interesting the kind of the, you know, what they came back with. Um, so we had Martin Luther King, uh, we had Gandhi, um, we had Joan of Arc, interestingly enough. Um, I threw a couple more in the mix. Churchill, 
um, kind of one of my all-time heroes, and, and Queen Elizabeth I, who I think was a remarkable leader. Um, I just wonder if in 50 years' time, when we ask, who are your heroes, will people be saying Greta Thunberg? Will she have changed the world as we know it? I guess we probably ought to hope that she might have. Um, because if, she do, if, if the world doesn't change, we're going to be in an even bigger mess. I don't, anyway, back to the point of this evening. Um, Zachariah's doubt costs him his ability to speak. Um, and it must be, you know, wouldn't all of us love an experience of the supernatural to the level that we have an encounter with an angel? And I'm probably nicking what Mark said before. Um, you know, but not to be able to tell anybody about it afterwards. It must be so flipping annoying, you know. I went to church today and Gabriel was standing in the corner of church. And you can't tell anyone about it because you, you're mute. I mean, that is kind of, yeah. <coughs> Um, so frustrating um, it costs him his voice and it makes John's birth all the more mysterious um, I find it fascinating um, not that John um, can communicate but with this kind of writing pad or that his voice is restored when he tells them that the child is to be called John what I find fascinating is that he's not been able to recount this to Mary, to, Mary, to Elizabeth. But when they say at the circumcision, what's he to be called? Elizabeth knows to call him John. Where, how did she know that? Because he couldn't. Well, I don't know. I don't think so, because it's almost like she could have said, oh, my husband told me or wrote it down for me, you know. And you kind of wonder what they think is going on. With, I don't know whether you as a doctor would have spotted the oddity in this. Um, because he's the one that can't speak. But when they want to communicate to him, they try and sign to him. Did you notice that in the, in the story? Um, now, kind of, it's not that he can't hear. It's that he can't speak. Uh, sorry? No, exactly. Absolutely. No, it's fair. I, mean, I wonder whether they really thought, not only has he lost his voice, I, I wonder if they thought John had lost the plot completely, you know, because of how they're treating him. <laughs> but, I, I mean, it's just, it, it is fascinating, isn't it? Um, and so I just think there's a sense of mystery about that. It's interesting. Um, and then, of course, his voice is restored. Uh, so I am coming into land. I know that I've gone over 15 minutes. And, I, and Mark was really good the other week. <laughs> um, so what can we learn? It seems to me that this has lots to say about God's timing being perfect. Um, both Elizabeth and Mary's pregnancies are kind of timed. It's not just about nine months. Um, it's about kind of coming together for God's purposes to be fulfilled. It's also interesting that God's plans, I don't think, you know, we, as we look at this, are age-specific. There's a place for everyone, young and old. Um, there's a time to be a silence, and there's a time to speak. 
and sometimes we're too ready to speak. And we perhaps this whole thing about waiting an advent is a willingness and um, perhaps to stop and be quiet and listen rather than speak. Um, and um, kind of we kind of see in this story that God uses men and he uses women. He uses young and he uses old um, kind of if people are available, God chooses to use them. So I guess really the place I want to finish with is what are you waiting for? Have you given up hope on it ever happening? Is there a place of barrenness in our lives at this time? Does God want to heal those disappointments and the losses of the past? Um, Let's just be quiet and let's just wait on him for a moment as we just kind of reflect on those questions. What part does he want us to be playing in his kingdom? Yeah, not your neighbour. What part does he want you to play? And what are your struggles? Are you waiting for him to do something? Is it becoming barren? And stealing life from you, from you. Or would you just come and restore hope? You come and bring healing where we are living with disappointment.